0: Welcome to episode 91. Today, the creators of right Reader, and Katie Gardner join us to talk about using tech to develop ML's language and literacy skills. Welcome to the Teaching Multilingual Learners podcast. This podcast celebrates teachers who answer the calling to serve multilingual students and their families.
1: Your beautiful smile. Your beautiful
0: I once had a lovely Korean student who came to us and didn't speak a single word of English. We thought, oh, he was just in the silent period. But then we noticed him interacting with Korean classmates and he wouldn't say a word either. We suspect that he was selectively mute. One day I wanted to differentiate instruction for this student, so I let him work on Buncee. It's like an online presentation platform. When I came back, I was shocked to see his work. His presentation showed that he understood the content, and more shockingly, he was able to write in English. Moreover, the way he created his slide showed deep critical thinking. He still didn't say a word when he was working on the presentation. It was the first time I saw him as a capable learner. Now this episode is not about Buncee. It's about technology in general. That's why I love sharing the technology platforms that magnify what students can do. And they sure can do a lot with tech. You're going to hear this podcast in audio form, but I recommend that you also view it in video format because Gady Gardner will share her slide and share examples of how students use Write Reader. Now, on to today's podcast. I want to welcome Barb Big Katie Gardner and Yannis. Yannis, I don't know your last name. Metzen. Metzen. Well, welcome all the way. Well, I have Barb and Yannis all the way from Denmark. And Katie is coming from uh, to us from North Carolina. We're so honored to always have uh, teachers who are using platforms and platform developers because I feel like... The developers are our co-teachers in so many ways. And Katie is going to be showing us how you use ReadWrite. So uh, welcome to the three of you. Uh, Would you start by introducing yourself and your role in the organization?
1: Sure. Uh, Thank you very much for having us, Tan. I really appreciate it. Uh, So my name is Barbara Baig. I'm one of the founders of WriteWeeder. We uh, founded WriteMeter in 2012, Um, me, Janus, and a third founder as well. Uh, my own background is from, I've been working at the Danish Society of Engineers. I've been in a lot of marketing jobs as well. And I met Janus back in 2012, uh, where we actually founded WriteReader. So it's a kind of an interesting story. I'll just wait till Janus have introduced himself, and uh, then we can take it.
2: Okay, let me go on then. Um, I'm actually the one who come up with the idea of WriteReader. Uh, and the idea came actually... In the classroom, I have worked as a teacher for like 16 years and taught language, art and and math. And besides that, I have actually been doing a lot of learning materials. I think I have actually made more than 50 of those. So actually, uh, I went to attempted a course about how to learn students to, to read by writing and and uh, based on that, I actually started a small, small, very small project at my school with my colleagues. And I worked with that method for like two years. And along with that, I actually started thinking of how I could build a tool that could make it easy for young students or emergent writers to become authors from a very, very young age. And that was actually how uh, we started the the idea of of right reader and then based on that i actually get in contact with with barbara and as barbara said uh, back in 2012 we found it Write Reader.
3: and hi i'm katie gardner um i'm an esl teacher english as a second language teacher in north carolina um and i think i have been using right reader in my classroom with my learners since at least 2012, 2013. Um, <laughs> it's been a long time. So yeah. I am a loyal follower user of write reader. And um, I just I love it so much. And I've just seen how much it's helped my students in, in reading and writing. And um, I'm just so excited to kind of share about the program.
0: Well, Katie, you're the reason why we're here together, because you emailed <laughs> me and of all the teachers that I know, uh, one, you're one of the experts I consider in early childhood and uh, young young elementary school students, but also your ability to use technology meaningfully, not as a tool for uh, for fun, but actually a tool for learning. And so anytime you are, you're, you're an Apple Distinguished Educator, uh, which is very hard to get, you're also a, a nationally Board Certified Teacher. So anytime that you're like, hey, I have this program, I think you really should talk about it. And I was like, that's all you need to say, Katie. If you have christened it, then I will listen. <laughs> and then I kept seeing uh, Valentina. I saw, I, I saw that Emily did a workshop for it. Um, mm-hmm. And then you told me Valentina as well. And I said, okay, let me continue to share <laughs> with the audience. So, that would be really great if you, uh, Barb, you said you wanted to talk about how it started.
1: Yeah. So uh, uh, so so I was I was not into ed tech at all. Um, the only ed tech experience I've had is, is being a parent you know which is which can also be a lot uh <laughs> but i was uh, more into uh, engineering and marketing i had a, a famous blog um about digital transformation here in denmark and janus was reading that blog and he reached out to me and said hey barbara uh, i want to talk to you uh we have a big problem in education all the new digital devices are coming in i have an idea on how we can Actually transformed the education, and what really struck me was that when Janus told me that, uh, because I didn't knew that, he said that 15 to 20 percent of all the students who leave tenth grade in Denmark are functional illiterate, mm-hmm. meaning that they're struggling with basic reading and writing skills. And I remember one of the first questions that I asked Janus for was, "For how long have you been teaching our kids to read and write the way we do?" And he was like 250 years, 200 years, not sure. Uh, And I was like, okay. Uh, So I've said, okay, I'm in. So I quit my marketing director job and Janus quit his job. And then we actually founded White Meter because my point was really, okay, I mean, nobody has really questioned the way we teach our, our kids how to how to read and write and despite the, that we have a functional literacy rate that are kind of skyrocketing and then when we looked at the functional literacy rate around europe and in the us and asia we really saw this as a global problem you know and a global challenge uh, which could be uh, solved you know because janus has done his reach research for two years and what that really showed was that if we or to talk about one factor of the reason of functional literacy can basically be narrowed down to motivation. So how can we motivate children from an early age so that they can realize what real life literacy is and why they should actually progress in reading and writing. And when they have their first book in their hand, when they're five or six year old, then they'll know why they need to excel in reading and writing. So that's why we created a platform where regardless of interest, any child can become an author. They can choose their interest if they're interested in writing about dolls, fairy tales, their family, um, whatever, you know, we can engage children from an early age and motivate them for for their written language.
0: Motivation is key to everything we do in education. So thanks, Baba, for saying that. Yanis, can you you talk to me about, uh, can you share your research about what you found for two years regarding literacy and-
2: uh... Yeah, Um, I mean, I'm I'm not a researcher, but I did some research in the classroom. And actually based on that, I contacted a researcher and he made, together with some of the colleagues, made a, a small research project for like a year and then it, we have actually just, I mean, I think we have been into like three or four research projects so far. And right now we are in a project that uh, are done together with the Danish Pedagogical University and the Danish Techno- uh, Technology University. And that's actually one of the greatest uh, studies about uh, students' early writing. And we are having... I mean, it's 1,500 students that we will follow for a period of three and a half years, wow. and um, and we are actually, I think, we have almost one year back of that uh, study. So that has been a very important thing for us in WriteReader, that what we are doing it is is not just just what we. What we think would be right, but we actually want to have some expert included in this and actually do some real research, showing that this is actually a good way to do things. Right. So, so uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Right now we are part of two research projects, um, and and actually the one, the big one, is actually about how to implement uh, machine learning into uh, into uh, early writing. So, so that's, that's, um, that's very, very interesting. And and also have, uh, I think have a big potential in in, in the future, how can we actually based on machine learning, help students um, to be better at reading and writing.
0: Well, we'll have to have you back on after three years for you to share the research findings. And so that's really great to know that there's academic research behind your platform. Yanis, would you tell us about, uh, you said you wanted to teach, see if you could teach learning through reading, with writing mm. through reading. Would mm. you talk more about that And when you were in the
1: class?
2: Yeah, what, what we normally do, and I actually think that's the same uh, all over the world. We learn the students the letters and the letter sounds. And then we actually start putting the letters together to words and starts to reading to read. But what we actually see is that that, that could be um, quite hard and a long way to go through all the letters. So instead, it actually can make sense and be very motivating to start writing because you can actually write even though you haven't learned how to write. And I mean, it, it's quite hard to to read a book, when you haven't learned how to read, but you can actually pretend that you write and you can maybe hear some of the letters and and you can just start writing from a very, very early age. And then the the method is that an adult um, who know how to write can write the conventional way of writing below. And then you actually um, have made your own book, a book that actually can be read by others because you have the, the educator text below. So the teacher, uh, the students, they actually see quite uh, fast, what writing is all about that you can actually tell something. And you can pass that over to someone else who actually can read uh, your story. So that's actually the whole idea about uh, about this method to make the students uh, meaningful authors in a very, very young age. Get- and then you, of course, you, you can progress along the way. So if you look at, at your own uh, writing, the student's writing, and you compare it with the the um, educator's writing, then you can learn uh, the way of spelling. And you can maybe learn that you have to put spaces between mm-hmm. words. And you can learn a lot of things about the written language. Ac- actually, the same way that, that you learn children how to talk, they will come, the students will make an attempt, and then you will say it out loud and as an adult, and then along the way you will actually learn how to how to speak. So we're actually using, in some way, the same mythology into, uh, into reading and writing. Right.
0: I think about what you're saying as like, I guess there's a store. Pretending that there's the store, here's the metaphor. There's an inventory in the store. Like, you have to all these things in the store. Uh, and then you go shopping. But really, if it's for kids, it's kind of like the comp- comparison would be like blocks. Kids are building blocks as so they're learning how to read as they're learning how to write. So they don't mm. they don't have to know all the letters exactly. to be able to write, right? It, I guess it's very similar to language language learning experience. Mm. Thank you for sharing that methodology. Yeah. Uh, Barbara, would you talk about the features of read-write before I go and have Katie say how she she uses it?
1: Yeah, so basically what you can say in one sentence would be that WriteReader is a multi-model book creation tool. So what we utilize is the students that can utilize uh, t- text, uh, images, and their voice in order to create uh, multi-model books. Um, you can also say that with WriteReader, students can practice all language domains. So it's about reading, obviously about writing, but it's also about speaking and also listening uh, because you can also listen to others, students' audio books and practice uh, uh, language domains uh, through that as well. But not only limited to these four language domains, it can also be about uh, presenting skills, 21st, uh, 21st century skills, because there's a lot of collaboration in it. There's a lot of critical thinking in it. Uh, we have our own image bag where students they can choose thousands and thousands of images. So it requires also critical thinking on, 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 basically in what we're going to write about today and how my story is going to be structured and things like that. And then we have on top of that, we had a, have a lot of scaffolding features as well. We've just launched a template library for educators to get tons of experience and basically creating a library where teachers and educators can inspire each other, uh, on, on what's working in their classroom. Um, so in a nutshell, it's, it's, it's a storytelling multimodality, uh, platform where kids, they can publish their books at the end and yeah, share, share their work, share their proud work as well.
2: Can I say something to that? Add something to that? Uh, I mean, what I saw in the classroom is that we were actually, as a start, I were, was using one of those, um, typical, uh, text editing programs. And I saw that. That there were tons, I mean, thousands of features that students at that age uh, haven't any use of. So what we did is that we stripped away all uh, features that that are not um, important for students at, at that age. So it's very easy to put in text, you, you can't have the opportunity to choose be- between uh, hundreds <laughs> of funds, we have decided a fund. And when you write, it will automatically scale. So you don't have to to use a lot of time on, on that. So focus is on on writing and and uh, all the things around writing, we have done that as easy as possible. We often see that 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 students maybe after half an hour, they have maybe only normally in, 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 in a normal text editing program, they have probably used half of the time to to make settings and then they probably have written a sentence or two. So that's actually the whole point, to make it as as easy and smooth as possible so the focus will be on writing and learning how to read and write.
0: Right, I think Einstein said, uh, the highest form of sophistication is simplicity. And so- Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) That's really important because I've, several times in my career, I've said, all right, kids, we're gonna work on this platform now. And then 20 minutes later, they're like, oh, I just figured out this font and then this transition and I'm like, Mm -hmm. It's still blank. <laughs> and so I appreciate you providing something that's simplistic, but yes sophisticated for kids. Uh, so what a great transition to talk to Katie about how she uses it in her class with her kids.
3: Um, so I think one thing before I start with about Right Reader that I really enjoy is, um, like Janice and Babar said, is the simplicity of it. Um, it's just so easy for my students of all ages to use. My kindergartners use it. Um, my fourth grade ESL students use it. So um, I have other educator friends that use it middle and high school. So it it can really be used in any grade level. And as we have found this past year, it's been a great tool to use in any kind of learning environment. So when we were all virtual last spring, we were still able to to create books and practice these literacy skills and language domains. Um, I've used it in our hybrid setting at the beginning of the year um, when we were both in and out of the classroom and then when we're all face to face. So it's really adaptable to any kind of learning environment. Um, and the fact that it's web-based has been great because there's no downloading apps. How do I, you know, I, the students can use it no matter where they are. Um, they can just, you know, sign on to the web and sign on to their book and start using and start creating. So that's made it really user-friendly for my students being in school or at home. So, um, and I I love all the supports for our um, ESL students. There's just so many supports and scaffolding features that students of any language proficiency can use to to complete the task. So, all right, can you see my screen? Yes. (laughs) Okay, great. so I, I just wanted to kind of touch on some of these features. Um, Tan, when you sign on and you create your class as an educator, um, the, the neat thing about it is these different settings that you can use. Um, and I'll, I'll go down here to the, the page types. So there's different kind of page layouts that you can select to, to use in creating your book or for students to create their book. I really enjoy this student text, educator text it kind of goes to to support what Janice was talking about earlier, how the students can use that inventive spelling in the student text box. And then as an educator, I can go back and either write it correctly for them to see how to to rewrite it um, or make comments, or it's a great way to create bilingual books as well. And then if you choose this children can see each other's book tab, if you turn that on, it's a great way to kind of create this virtual book fair opportunity for students. Um, so, so
0: I see a tab for um, activated page types. So there's a student text. So students are making the text. There's image and student text. So that's self-explanatory. And then the <laughs> last one is image, student text, and editor text, ed- educator text. So you'll be collaborating with that as well. Okay. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and there's also in for which is great for our ESL teachers. You can be a co-teacher. So I can, you know, my my. Teacher in the regular classroom and I can co-teach and collaborate on books and work on books together, which is great for for us. Um, And then here in that template library that Janice was talking about, if I didn't have time um, or I just wanted to kind of look at books that have already been made, template books that have already been created, I can kind of filter over here, um, like you talked about with your middle or high school students, there's already some resources created that you could use or Um, format to to help your students with the different subject areas as well. So um, you can use those or you can create your own, which is is really nice. Uh, So I was going to share one of the books my fourth graders um, created. So we were doing a unit on video games and using um, just something that the students were super interested in and motivated in to kind of practice those language skills. Um, So this was a book template that I created and I um, students were able to use this template to then create their books. Oh,
0: so you made the template for them.
3: Mm -hmm. So you can make a template or you can choose one that's already made. Um, So this is one I created for them. And here you can see kind of that. a a student text, I call it the baby owl, and then the the big owl, where's the the educator text. And there's so many different ways you can use this feature. This is just how I used it in this particular book. Um, And then as you see, you have kind of all these little buttons around the page that um, are great support and scaffolding tools for the educator, the student to use in creating their books and practicing all of those language domains. So
0: So what you see is... Sorry. Mm-hmm. So what I see is just for the people who are listening on the podcast, it's, there's a picture of a TV and a video game. There's a hand like taking a console and moving it around. Uh, and then there is a text down below. And it says like, my favorite video game is Roblox because I can play a lot of games there and create games and the text goes on. And this is by the kid, right? Right.
3: Mm-hmm. right. So when the student opens this template, all they would see is the prompting question right here. Um, then they're able to hear in the student text, write their answer to the question. Then they're able to look in the image bank to choose a preloaded image to support their writing. Um, and this image bank in reader went perfectly with our video game unit because they already had Minecraft pictures of <laughs> it. So the students are able to choose from this Minecraft library you could also upload a picture from your own camera roll if you wanted to do that. And there's also a search feature with um, student-friendly searches. So students could search like roadblocks pictures. Um, and I didn't have to worry about them, you know, seeing things they weren't supposed to because it's a student-friendly search through Pixabay or other or kid-friendly things. So um, that made it really, really nice. So. And you can use these images too, um, and just put an image in your your template and have that be your writing prompt, and have students, you know, write about the image. So there's a lot of different ways to use it, and there's so many different image categories here for students to to choose from or educators to choose from.
0: And then the prompt that you have for the kids is, "What is your favorite video game and why?" And then this little icon of a head and like uh, the speaking icon, the waves coming out of the person's. Uh... Mouth and so it can be. So the prompt can be read to kids so that they right. can hear it. Right,
3: it's which um, which is great because you know you have some of those students um, as I'm facilitating around the room while students are working on their books or if they're at home and working on their book and maybe they need a little help reading that writing prompt um, independently. They can touch that button and it will be read aloud. Prompt: What is your favorite video game and why? You know, So it has that, that feature for some of my students that might need that extra support, um, which is great. And then I also, to add a little more support, here is a comment or text button. Um, and here I put a sentence stem for some of those students that might need that extra support of a sentence starter or a right. sentence stem to then help them when answering that question in the student text box. Right. Um, And there's so many different ways you can use that little comment um, box. My friend in middle school, she uses it to make suggestions or comments for students on how to edit their text. Um, So it really kind of creates a conversation piece um, and a collaboration piece between students and educators. Um, This is just how I used it in this example, but there's a lot of different ways you can use it. uh, once again, to provide the supports for all of our students of all levels to succeed in writing their book. Right. They can also up here um, in the microphone button, record themselves to practice that speaking part, reading their text. So within this one book, you know, they really can do all of the, la- practice all of the language domains. Right. And the thing I love about it, it's up here the print and download button. I could print this book out and give them kind of a hard copy like Babar nice. showed us earlier of their book. Um, and I've done this for years with my students. It's almost a little surprise or a motivator of if you finish your book, I'll print it and you will know, you have a hard copy of this book. And um, as you know, sometimes our students don't have a lot of reading resources at home. Um, so one, it's another resource at home for them to practice reading with and it's one they've created. So they're super proud. They're excited to share it with family and friends. Um, you know, they have this actual thing that they have created. They're publishers. They're authors. They have a book. You know, um, and they they created it so they can read it. And they it's it's super exciting. So um, I, I just I love a lot of things about this program for students of any levels to mm-hmm. succeed and be you know, proud and <laughs> they're authors there, you know, so it's, it's great.
0: Yeah, I can see this already. Um, Barbara talked about in the beginning, how the research shows when it comes down to learning, it's about motivation. Right? Mm-hmm. And I could see this being so motivating because it's so engaging. There is an image and then there's ways for students to interact like with voice recording, but they can also hear the prompt with it. Uh, uh, read to them and they have this bank of pictures that they could use so it's very multimodal it's very scaffold and very supportive. I'm looking at the screen right now and I'm thinking okay this is not as intense as other programs that I've seen because uh, just like Yana said uh, they have stripped down all these settings and just made the things that are most essential uh, they retain them and then the kids can be more focused uh, on the creation than the settings activity or creating the settings.
3: Yes, I I, I agree. And then um, you know, also once students are finished creating their books, if they're able to see each other's books, you have kind of this bookshelf of created books, and students can look at each other's books. Um, you could create that kind of virtual book fair if you wanted, um, or share your books with others globally, which is kind of cool as well.
0: Do you do students collaborate as well? I know that uh, Barbara talked about that. Babar talked about that in the beginning.
3: Um, yes, and so if Barbara wants to explain a little bit more about that.
1: He... Yeah, so I mean, we're seeing multiple use cases and how, how students and teachers are collaborating. So one way could be in a classroom setting where teachers are kind of putting together two and three students and having them make a project about a book or... They can go out and find an animal take a picture of it and then write their own book and collaborate on that really you know so we're seeing students collaborate on on searching uh for images and and, and creating books so so they are collaborating uh, features and we're seeing that uh, as well being used by 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 teachers as well um, and uh, and also in terms of when you talk about uh, bilingual and uh, and also uh, ESL and ELL students what we're seeing is that it's being used by multiple ways by teachers. So, so in general, I think what is really important for uh, for um, bilingual students is, first of all, that they can get a sense of ownership and a sense of kind of, okay, this platform can really talk to me. So not only can they actually tell their story, but also when they will search the images, they will kind of feel that they are also represented uh, in the image bank. And we have done a lot of things in order to diversify our image bank and uh, so that all uh, students can feel that this is a platform for, for them to use as well. And at the same time, what we have done in order to have the necessary respect of their native languages, what that might be, is that we have translated this um, uh, right reader into multiple languages. So you can choose whether you want to have Spanish or English or Russian or Bulgarian or Polish, uh, Danish, Swedish. Uh, so you can just switch on and in the in screenshot, which Katie is showing right now, you can see on the right hand side, it says key sounds. So these key sounds, letter names and letter sounds, we have actually translated into all of these multiple languages. So this means that if uh, you're a Spanish speaking student, you can actually put in the Spanish sounds. And then whenever you type a word, you will hear out the sound in Spanish. Uh, And then the speech synthesis is also integrated in Spanish and all the languages I have um, just told you about is that when you write a sentence, you can have that sentence read aloud in your native language, just to reinforce your kind of uh, writing as well. And, and we're seeing teachers as well, that they're enabling the students to make a writing attempt in their native language. And then the teachers are translating that native uh, language attempt into English. Uh, so this is a really nice way for students to see, okay, I ha- I'm writing my own native language. Uh, on the level I'm in, and this is the English translation of that. And then I can hear hear it out loud. So as Kate, Katie also said, there are multiple ways for for students to use this, uh, and especially uh, ELL teachers. And and we have a lot of ELL teachers across all the states in the U.S. that are, that are using uh, right Meter uh, to reinforce their students' learning.
0: I love that. You're talking about, in our field, we talk about using the home language as much as possible in the beginning, right, to help kids engage. And I love that. I guess imagining this, when you have a a student who is very uh, fluent in their home language, uh, they come to the U.S. or Canada or or English-speaking country and then they struggle to communicate. It's not that they struggle to communicate in their home language, they struggle to communicate in English. Now with this platform, kids can use their home language, let's say Punjabi or let's say Hindi, and then they're going to be speaking it in the home language. And then it produces text for them in the home language, and then which can be converted back to English. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so the conversion will take place. That, that will be an adult who would have to understand both languages will do it manually for them to start with, yeah. But if the English teacher writes in something and they're having difficulties uh, hearing out the letter names or letter sounds, then they can use the speech synthesis and have the English version read aloud. Uh, I think it's really important uh, for students to write a story and tell a story even if it's in their own native language because then they can actually use the platform and and they're not just sitting outside of the activity because and rest of the class is doing something so this is a platform regardless of their language regardless of their level of reading and writing they can engage with and then they will feel, the the sense of technology will be the same as the rest of the classroom, and then they will gain the confidence from there and onwards.
0: So you're talking about a huge word in our field. We talk about inclusion. And so oftentimes uh, the language learners or multilinguals are, in the past, were taken away and, and then stored away into their own little room with the, <laughs> we call that yeah. the a warehouse model. We used to call that yeah. pull out. But now the kids are inside of classes and now they have the same technology i say technology amplifies students skills uh, what students already bring and so you're doing that already exactly. with uh read write. sorry right exactly
1: yeah. exactly so no no student will be left behind you know every student can be engaged regardless of their level and their native language you know and then yeah
0: yeah you talked about uh, how ReadWrite Write was is supposed to, your, the program that you use was to help kids learn how to write as they're learning how to read. Would you talk about how that is done uh, with with the version that you have now of Write Reader?
2: Um, yeah, it's actually the whole idea of, of starting by by writing because it's actually more easy to start writing bef- before before reading, and then I think that there's another point to to this. Uh, which is all also about motivation and, and making something that are near and dear to the students, you can actually write a book about, um, that could be about your pet. You can write a book about your specific uh, cat at home, but you can go to the library and, and yeah, of course, you can, you, can, you can lend a book about cats, but not your specific cat. So actually, that's, that's a huge motivation when you start in writing, that you can actually, uh, the students can make something that are near and dear to them. And as Katie said, when they have do the writing process themselves, it's much more easier afterwards to read it. It's so, that. So that's, yeah, that, that's just uh, the idea behind the method that you actually start uh, writing because, because it's actually easier than read. Normally we, we typically do it the other way around, actually. Uh,
0: if there is something in, in technology called blooms 21, where, it, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but we, we, instead of having in blooms, we have create as like the top tier, and then you have in the bottom tier, this first phase you have to identify and then understand and it goes all the way up to create as the last and the premise of that is that okay kids have to understand first and then they're able to uh, identify and then understand and then moves all the way up once they get all the other stages then they then can create Mm -hmm. and blooms 21 is flipping that on its head and blooms 21 is saying okay we're gonna get kids to create Mm -hmm. as kids are creating they're gonna be able to identify and understand and go through that process and so uh, you're speaking to something that's already in the field about, uh, technology and and creationism. So that's great. Exactly. Yeah. Thank
3: you. And I love, um, Tan, just to follow up with what Janice says, the, the way to personalize the learning is great. So, um, not only can you personalize the learning with having students either upload pictures from, from their, you know, from their home. Um, but you can also really easily integrate and connect those standards that, as educators, we, um, you know, must also teach. (laughs) And, um, like, my one friend is doing summer learning journals with her students using Write Reader. She's a middle school ESL teacher, and she, um, you know, is asking them, and, you know, they all have cell phones, so they're able to you know, on their cell phones, create their books, take pictures of things they do throughout the summer and upload them and write about them. And you may have those newcomers that in that educate student text box, you know, are able to write about the picture they uploaded um, in in their native language. And here in that educator text box, she's able to either comment or tell them, you know, how to write it appropriately or correctly in in English. or add words to a word bank in that educator text box for them to use to support them. So, um, you know, or my, my early learners who might use a lot of inventive spelling in that educator text box, I'm able to support them um, below it with the, maybe the correct way um, to, to write it. And having those key sounds and letter sounds features turned on is great for students at home that are learning, and they can really hear those sounds correctly and in the words that they're creating and writing. So.
0: so when they're typing, let's say the word game, so they're typing the word G-A-M-E, and then the key sounds will help them hear the word G-A-M-E or with the whole word itself?
1: Both. Yeah, yeah. so you can put the setting uh, to the key sounds, and when they say, "write uh, uh, G, then it, it will say G. Uh, and if you set it to the sound it will say so basically how the g is supposed to be pronounced right right. and then the third option would be that once they have read a a word uh, then they can have the whole word read aloud and once they have uh, finished a sentence when they uh, put in the punctuation then the whole sentence will be read out by the speech synthesis
3: oh how
0: cool that they're
3: adding which is awesome right think about our students that you know are learning at home and maybe don't have that support at home. Um, you know, or even in the classroom where you can't be with them all the time right there helping them. So what a great supportive feature for our right. students.
0: Right. And if they do have, and I guess I'm seeing a kid working at home, and uh, their guardians can sit next to them, and as they're typing, the guardians can hear the sounds being produced and they can the, the parents can reinforce that and support that as well. Oh, I love exactly. that. Yeah. yeah. Katie,
2: would you go ahead? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll just say a very important thing here is also to tell the students that that they don't have to write things perfectly as a start. I mean, it's totally okay to do mistakes. We learn by doing mistakes. Um, And I think that's very important, especially for, for newcomers, that they can actually just go ahead, tell your story. And then afterwards, you can learn from what you have what you have written.
0: Right. And so that,
2: that should not be something that should stop you right. from telling what you have on your mind.
0: Right. In the field we talk, uh, Dr. Crash and talked about the effective filter. We're lowering the stress level of mm. learning a language or producing a language. And so that is uh thank you for saying that. Yeah, you're making it so easy for kids. And then when the when it's easy, it's motivating and when there's when they're not being um, when it's let's like low stress, they're able to engage much more. Mm. Katie, do you have uh, maybe an example from an early years kid or maybe an also maybe a bilingual one or as you're getting at examples, maybe uh, Yanis or uh, Barbara can talk about how teachers use this to collaborate with each other. As you're looking, I will uh, talk about what I think I'm seeing this as let's say that there is an elementary school teacher and the content teacher has a book. What they can do is they can share this with their. language specialist and the language specialist can add all the scaffolds as needed throughout. So that's how I'm thinking about it. Barbara, uh, Barbara Giannis, has that helped people are using it?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and and I think that teachers, you know, they know the books uh, which are relevant to their classroom and students. So it's so it starts off by choosing some compelling text, you know, uh, within the classroom and uh, and, and teachers and then they can use that that text you know in order to build on on, on top of it and then maybe use it to uh, scaffold their reading and writing you know or create a template or even uh, provide a free room for students to write about whatever they they would like to write about you know it can also be about seasonal things it can be about their uh, culturally uh, seasonal um Uh, holidays or events which they would like you know and in our image bank we're always open for teachers to propose uh these cultural uh uh, events from 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 around the world and we'll be happy to add it so we had some teachers from ireland and we added these um uh irish holiday images we had cinco de mayo we added cinco de mayo images we had like and all the US national holidays and, you know, Eid and uh, it can be Hanukkah, whatever, you know, uh, teachers would request, we can add those images just to make it more personal and more kind of safe and easy for the students to kind of write about their their personal narratives, you know.
0: I like every time you talk, uh, Barbara, you sound like an educator, even though you never we're in a classroom teaching because you're using words like responsive, you're scaffolding. I'm like, oh, yes. And I know that Katie and Yanis have been educators, or are educators. And so it's yeah. funny to hear uh, the, the engineering side of you uh, speak yeah. as an educator. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, Janus have had a great impact on me after 12 years. So I'm just kind of mirroring him. So. <laughs>
0: All right, Katie, I'll let you share. I, I see that you're showing.
3: Oh, sure. Snowman. So, just a couple more examples of have used it with my early learners. So, um, this was just an example of how we practice retelling a read aloud story. So, um, we, you know, read this story um, titled "Snowman All Year." It's a really cute read aloud story, um, and then we actually built the um, events from the story with Legos. Uh, to kind of have that hands-on manipulative piece. And students created um, different events from the story with our Legos. And then they use that camera, um, the camera on their iPads to take a picture of each event and upload it to their book. And then they could practice um, their reading and writing by writing a sentence um, about each event from the story using you know, those special first, next, then, and last words. Um, so just another example of a way to use it and then once again i printed these books this was around our holiday break and gave the students their books to take home for kind of a holiday gift which they were super excited about
0: so i'm reading that can you go back to the first page i'm just sure. this for the podcast listeners. so i see a little picture of like lego people under <laughs> the water or by the ocean and it says, the first snowman pretends to be a pirate. And so I see pictures of a pirate with different boats. In the next picture, it says, uh, next, snowman goes to the fair. And you see a little like Ferris wheel thing. And you see a little background with like fireworks. And you see like a, um, a seesaw thing. And so kids are adding relevant images to really support their writing.
3: Yeah. Right. So here they've created those images with the Legos. And mm-hmm. you, know, you can use the image bank. And here's just another example of a way to use Um, images they created on the camera roll and like Janice said you know here the text might not be perfect you know and that is okay
0: (laughs) then snowman learns how to swim yes and you're seeing a house with like several pools and kids lego lego people are jumping into the lego uh, pool Super cute. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the last snowman goes uh, trick or treating and he gets candy. And so we see uh, Lego costumed up things, people walking around to different houses with little buckets in their hands to represent like getting bags of candy. So very cute. And then, so very,
3: very, very simple. Um, and then one other way i've used it with my early learners is creating our own fairy tales so this was also from the image bank um there is like a fairy tales um part of the image bank so if you go up here and look there's one that supports fairy tales Um, this was during a summer learning program and we created our own fairy tales using these Uh, uploaded images students were able to select the images and then kind of create their own fairy tales and then at the end of the summer learning program we dressed up as princesses and (laughs) knights in shining armor and students um, use their printed books to read to other educators parents and students around the room so um, that was super fun, and they they loved the experience and, you know, dressing up, but also creating their own fairy tale and having these preloaded images made it really um, kind of simple and um, served as a writing prompt, you know, for early learners, looking at the image and then writing about it. So. Right.
0: I'm so impressed that you have your early learners able to do that. <laughs> at, for maybe my middle schoolers, they would sometimes struggle with this as well. So I'm impressed that you were able to do that. Is there a function where kids are saying things and the text appears, like the text writes itself out?
3: I'm glad you asked that, Tan, because I use that um, dictation function a lot in my classroom with my early learners. So with that, it would be very simple um, when when students start to type in the image in the educator box or the student box, um, you know, on their keyboard on their iPad. You know, I would have them select the um, microphone button and then use that dictation feature, that built-in iPad dictation feature to speak into the iPad and then the text will come up on the screen.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Um,
3: that's so cool. we, yes, I use that quite a bit. You know, if I'm, we don't have the time for students to sit there and type out everything or right. so um, you know, practice those speaking skills as well. So right. you can use that already built-in dictation feature on your device to then have them write
0: Right. As well, I like that there's a aspect of like Google Classroom in here because you said you can create a template for kids, and so uh, you can create one and then you can send it all out to kids, and then kids are adding their text to it or they're adding their images, uh, so that it's another scaffold for kids. So that's really great. Uh, well, we only have a few more minutes, so I will just uh, have uh, I will open the floor to Is there anything that we did not talk about yet? Oh, I guess to talk about like the pricing or talk about engagement for, for schools on a budget?
1: Yeah, so uh, we work on a freemium model. So, I mean, it's, it's a freemium model where teachers, they can do a lot, uh, we think. Uh, and that's also the feedback we're, we're getting from teachers. So teachers can create up to 40 uh, books, 60 books, sorry, uh, of each classroom with their kids and they have access to a lot of features. And there are some uh, features which we have defined as premium. premium. It could be like printing, and uh, some other features. And then teachers, they can upgrade directly. Uh, it's an affordable package. Uh, and we also uh, uh, kind of offer discounts to school and district if for, for more than 10 teachers. So yeah. Thank so we, that. yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, I know you were very busy. I know that a lot of uh, platforms were like, here, we just want to help you during uh, the pandemic. So uh, thank you for, for making it the freemium model. Uh, yeah. cause that, cause you could do a lot with the freemium
1: model. Yeah, you exactly. can just delete books. Right. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. So, yeah, it's, so, so, so we, we are having great feedback from teachers and obviously we're help, here to help them. And, you know, I mean, our mission is just to make the life easier for the teachers, because I mean, if you cannot do that and then you don't have a successful ed tech product that's just the fact you know so when we are engineering the product the only uh, question janice and i ask us is okay will this feature make the life easier for the teacher or not and if we cannot answer positive to that then we won't go ahead with it because that's actually the first step and then the second step is obviously okay what about the students you know uh, will it make it easier so for us as you also mentioned in the start less is more you know it's it's, it's really about us, our biggest struggle is to how to avoid making new functionalities in Reader. <laughs> That's our biggest struggle because we won't, don't want to overcomplicate the product.
0: Right. And just looking at the screen, the product seems very user friendly, very intuitive. If you know how to use email, if you know how to use Google Slide, this is very easy. Yeah. Yanis, yeah. can you uh, let's end the podcast uh, with you. Is there anything that we're missing that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to talk about?
2: Um, Baba didn't mention the price for for a premium subscription, and that's thirty thirty nine dollars, and that's per teacher per year.
0: Oh, so, so you can simple. actually
2: you can actually uh, add as many uh, students as you like, as many classes, and as Katie mentioned, you can also add co teachers uh, to that. So I will definitely say that that this is is uh, affordable for. For, for most schools
0: yes it's so affordable there's another program that I'm working with and it's for just one teacher it would be 125 and yeah. I like baked my school to to purchase it but for forty dollars for read write right reader ah oh, that'd be so amazing it's very affordable for, for teachers so, so um, Gianna, okay. yeah, Katie go ahead
3: no you're fine so I, I would also suggest um, for educators to also check out the blog posts on the right reader website. Um, and the webinars. So it, they have a lot of great, really like short, um, informative blog posts, which you know, like, how do I use it with Seesaw? How do I use the image bank for writing prompts? Or um, there's a great one on bilingual books. And you know, how do I, and they're really global blog posts um, from educators all around the world. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it, it's really to kind of scroll through those and read those. um, And lots of different webinars, short webinars, just informing you how to use it or the different features, so.
0: I know, Yanis and and Baba, you must be so proud to see how teachers are innovating and doing things that you didn't expect. uh, And then they're sharing it with the community. They're so generous with their time.
2: Yeah, that's that's a very important point that that what we actually have built is an open-ended tool. And I mean, you can do as both Barbara and, and Katie said, uh, I mean there are tons of opportunities, and we know that there are a lot of teachers, creative teachers out there, and 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 that's a great joy to see on a daily basis how how uh, teachers and kids are using our tool in 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 in, in, in very uh, creative ways. So definitely.
0: So I always want to say uh, I, when I. I, when I meet with uh, platform developers, I always say, You are a co teacher. Like, I will never meet, I'm sure, in person. I'll be lucky if I get to meet uh, Barbara and Yanis in the future. Uh, Katie, I know we're, we're going to meet you in the future for sure. <laughs> but I want to let you know that, let let, you, let your team know that you are co teachers in our classes, in Katie's classes. The way that you're developing programs for kids, these features, these apps, up these the platform you are one duplicating me and Katie so that so we have 20 kids you' just put the program you're duplicating 20 of us but you're also giving kids the confidence the motivation and the the skill to be able to learn right then you're also helping parents as well and you're helping families your kids are doing this at home and they're they're having their engagement with the family so you are in homes in schools in communities so thank you for Uh, working away on your little computer screens on your board, you are definitely in our classes.
1: Thank you very much, Tan. Thank you very much, Uh, really appreciate it. And thank you for educators like you who are actually spreading the word, you know, and also kind of facilitating on how teachers can collaborate globally, you know, so really appreciate that.
0: Before we recap this episode, I have a favor and an invitation. My favor is to ask you to please review this podcast if you found it valuable so that teachers like you become inspired and informed in their advocacy work. My invitation is for you to enroll in my scaffolding learning or teacher collaboration courses. I've taken the principles that I've learned from experts in the field. I've applied them to my classes. I kept the things at work and I'm sharing all of them in these courses. I hope you consider enrolling. Now onto our recap. As you listen to this podcast, you can hear the educational intent of right Reader. It is trying to add another way to teach literacy and the way we do that is through constructivism and tech. I really love the ingenious way it shows the letter sounds as students are typing so that they can associate the letters and the sound. I also really appreciate how purposely minimal it is on the user interface side. We want students creating, not being distracted, by the settings. If you want to explore another avenue for language and literacy development with the use of low-risk technology, our first step might be going to WriteReader. Their blog and YouTube channel provide examples submitted from teachers using WriteReader around the world. Let technology duplicate your effort and magnify your students' assets. The next series of the podcast is on culturally sustaining pedagogy. We'll kick off that series with Dr. Diane Storfenner and Dr. Sydney Snyder. Thank you for listening. I'll see you soon. Be safe, and be rooted in peace. It's your turn to play Traffic Light Teaching. Tweet at me either your red, yellow, or green light from this particular episode.